0: Greetings lovelies, welcome to another episode of Technically a Conversation. This is where we share very cool stories with each other or something brand new, and hopefully you find it very interesting too. Before we get started, we have a very important announcement, an exciting new contest that we've been talking about just as of recently. We crossed 500 listens of our podcast. Yay! We're still super ambitious. We want to get to as many listens as possible. And the only way we can do that is by you helping us get there. And the way we're really recruiting you guys is asking you for reviews. So the more reviews we get, the better chance we are at getting featured, attracting new listeners, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to make it worth your while. And if you leave us a review, send us a screenshot to one of our socials at greetingsTAC on Instagram, Twitter, or greetingsTAC at gmail.com. Once we get 25 reviews, we're going to pick a name at random, give you a very first Technically a Conversation t-shirt. Woo! <laughs> you will now be part of the Technically a Conversation super friend. How will you not be the envy of all your friends and family? That's right. Yeah, right. Talk about it. So if we somehow get to 50 reviews... We're going to give away two t-shirts. If we get 100 reviews, we'll give away four t-shirts. Jose, do you see the pattern?
1: I see the pattern. (laughs) So leave a review, take a screenshot, and then send it to us on one of our socials. Uh, Really, Instagram is the one that we're most active on. So if you just send us a, a DM with the screenshot, you're automatically in the running. That's all you need to do.
0: Yes. The only caveat is that we can only ship to the U.S., Canada... UK, all 28 countries in the EU, EU sorry, the, <laughs> and Australia. So we really do wish we could offer this worldwide. Hopefully, maybe one day we can get there. But right now, our current shipping partners are really limited to those countries. And with that, I am one half of your host, Dicella. Kind of jumped on into this exciting news. Sorry, guys. <laughs> As always, I have the lovely Jose with me. How are you, Jose?
1: I'm doing great. How about yourself?
0: Good. How was your week?
1: I think I pretty much spent it all editing the podcast. Oh, man. That's pretty much all I do on my free time is edit the podcast.
0: <laughs> man. <laughs> Again, if I could bring you back in and out because I'm going to go to Phoenix this weekend, I totally would. By the time it comes back, it's going to be all icky. Yeah.
1: But hopefully I'll be done with the three podcasts that I need to edit while you're gone.
0: Maybe I can <laughs> Maybe I could still at least get you a Slurpee or something. <laughs> <laughs> I know you wanted to kick off the show by shouting out a couple of super friends.
1: I do. I wanted to shout out super friends, Marilyn, who sent me a message earlier this week and let me know that she was really enjoying the show. So thank you very much for listening to it. And I also wanted to shout out super friend, Berenice. Uh, She ended up sharing our TikTok video on Instagram. (laughs) So that also helps us because it's more eyeballs, more people that are exposed to it. So we really do appreciate it. Thank you very much.
0: That's right. We absolutely encourage you to share as much as possible, even just verbally. Telling your friends is such a great and effective tool.
1: Yeah. And I also wanted to wish you a happy International Podcast Day.
0: <gasps> yes. Actually, if I may divulge this information, you were early into podcasts when there was probably only like 30 podcasts out there. <laughs> That was like a two-minute time span. It's like the singularity, if you will, of the Big Bang. And I appreciate it because I totally love it now.
1: I'm glad you enjoy it. Yeah. And that was kind of a private story, so I don't appreciate you sharing it on the podcast. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what? You got to do your own horn for that.
1: <laughs>
0: All right. So I do have a super friend as well that is a new-time listener, Max. Um, He goes by the name of Max Daddy. I don't really call him Daddy, right? But that's like the nickname he uses. So thank you very much for finding us and reaching out and letting us know that you enjoy the episodes.
1: Thank you, Max Daddy. Yes. (laughs) 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 Sorry. Daddy Max will make you jump.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Jump. Oh, I think that was the one that died. Mm -hmm. Did he die? Yeah, one of them already died, dude. Oh, my God. I know. It's really sad. That's a harsh way to, to start a podcast. But guess what? Halloween's right around the corner. Who doesn't want to talk about death?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if the other Chris is looking for somebody else, I'm not Chris, but uh, I can jump sometimes when, uh, when I don't got the gout or, <laughs> or when my sciatica isn't acting up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're like, or when, you know, I've been sitting too long.
1: Yeah, or when I'm, I don't have uh, crippling back pain. You know, these are all the wonders of, of getting older.
0: list is getting very long. Being that we were talking about death, that's actually really funny because that's a pretty good segue into what the topic I will be talking about today. Crisscross? Yeah, exactly. Crisscross is death. <laughs> I think they only had like two songs. It's going to be a very short episode. Dun dun. That's it. He had two songs. I'm just kidding. No, I don't know. That's so mean.
1: I used to have the album when I was like, I think in grade six or grade five or whenever that came out.
0: Was it like surprisingly good or what
1: was it? I thought it was good, but... Oh, wow. I mean, I was maybe like 12 or something. So I don't think my uh, listening taste was as refined as it is now.
0: <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so refined. You only listen to death metal. I'm just kidding. That's not true.
1: I listen too much more than that.
0: I know. I'm so proud of you because you have like such a wide array. This is why road trips are fun.
1: I normally like to start off by saying that I like death metal because that is normally what shocks people.
0: So that's the goal is to shock people.
1: No, because I actually do enjoy it. But usually people don't. Ex- well, I mean, like when I, I guess because I go through phases where I have long hair and I have short hair. So when my hair is short, people are usually shocked that I like death metal. When my hair is long, it doesn't surprise people.
0: That's the key. Because when you said that right now, I was like, but you look like very metal, which is also a compliment.
1: That's a great compliment. I appreciate that.
0: Dude, for real. So, if anything, now when your hair's long, you should probably shock people and be like, "I listen to Tchaikovsky, Beethoven, Johnstone, Johnstone." That's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that that would be kind of weird.
1: Okay, sorry. I was trying <laughs> to trying to get into your death segue with the death metal, but I yeah. think it's been derailed now. Your death train is derailed.
0: I love our derailed conversation. <laughs> Being that it's so close to Halloween, I wanted to share a very cool topic. It was both creepy. And fascinating. Today, we're going to talk about children. Already creepy. I'm just kidding. Children who remember what seems to be their past life, and it's going to be with so much detail. It's going to feel pretty much impossible. Dios yes, mio.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, you you ready to get started on this crazy topic? Let's do it. Okay. First, let's talk about where this can be studied. In the University of Virginia, it's a division of perceptual studies. DOPS for short. It's basically the idea of reincarnation. The division has more than 50 years of research on this subject. So this isn't just like, oh, the last 10 years. This is like over 2,500 cases that they have. The information that I got this from is a couple years old. So who knows what their real number is right now. But 2,500 is already a lot of cases. The very cool thing about this is that these have been found on every continent except Antarctica, and that's only because they haven't been able to look there. Like, who's really going to go there, right?
1: Well, they can ask the penguins.
0: I don't know how they would talk to the penguins.
1: They can hook them up to the dream machine.
0: Oh, yeah, that's true. No, they wouldn't be able to tell us what they're They're like. (laughs) Oh, you're just dreaming of more fish. (laughs) So the founder of DOPS, his name is Ian Stevenson. Actually, he was, I guess I should say, because he's passed away since then. I found some early papers of his, which were really, really interesting. So I'm only going to share one thing because there's a lot of really cool information on this topic. His paper titled Birthmarks and Birth Defects Corresponding to Wounds on a Deceased Person. Doesn't that already sound crazy?
1: It sounds very crazy, actually.
0: Do you happen to have any birthmarks?
1: I have moles, but not really (laughs) birthmarks. I
0: don't think I have any birthmarks either.
1: So I was not wounded in a past life then?
0: That's probably good, because then you don't have those wacky memories. So this paper stated that of the children who claim to remember their past lives, 35% of these children actually have birthmarks. And they believe that these are corresponding to the death of that prior life that they had. They were able to pull those post-mortem reports, basically like an autopsy report, And guess how many of these did, in fact, correspond to the child's birthmarks?
1: 100%.
0: Very close. 90%. Oh, okay. So 90% is crazy. Oh, wait, wait. Sorry. 88%, which let's say it's 90% really. 88%? Dude, this is really crazy. So I'm just going to give you one example of one of the 88%. Um, there's a picture of a man's chest where you see in the middle of his chest where these birthmarks are. It's just like a lighter pigmentation on his skin. And he believed that that's actually the site where he got shot in his prior life. And when they were able to find the post-mortem, that's exactly where they were. So you can see the comparison of the post-mortem, like the autopsy report, and his picture. It's super wild. I don't really know how that could be. I don't What are you thinking? Tell me. I want to hear real life, uh, real life reactions here.
1: I'll save my opinion until the end.
0: So what do you think that's about? Do you think he did the hyperpigmentation, at least that part?
1: No, I don't think that. But since you're asking me, I'll answer. I'm a skeptic, so I don't believe none of that stuff. I think it's easy for me to say, oh, yeah, I have a, a birthmark on my arm. And if you want to find a result, you'll look through all the postmortems until you find somebody that was shot on the, on, the, on the arm, the same place that my birthmark is and say, oh, yeah, that's that person. I would need to have like more concrete evidence. To quote Carl Sagan, extraordinary claims deserve extraordinary evidence. I'm curious to see what, what other evidence you have. But so far, I'm not sold.
0: What they'll do is they get the information first. So they can't just like, oh, I think my name was whatever. And then they're like, oh, yeah, no, my name was this. So they they start off with the concrete names, how they died, what their memories are. And then they go see if they can verify them. We'll we'll get into a little bit more of that. It's pretty exciting.
1: <laughs> I'm interested to hear the other stories.
0: Yeah, yeah this is what it's about. Conversations. Mm-hmm. So the person who's now running DOPS is Dr. Jim Tucker. He is a professor of psychiatry and neurobehavioral sciences, and has been studying this since the late 90s. He's actually a child psychiatrist, and the way he got involved was Ian Stevenson. One of his biggest critiques, if you will, was basically the science community was like, well, this is very fascinating, but how come it's only one person who's finding all of these stories? How come there's not other people involved? So he did, in fact, try to get other people involved. An anthropologist got involved, um, and then this is where Jim Tucker came in. Jim Tucker's approach to this field of study is, it's real nice and basic. What exactly did the child say about the past life? When did they start recalling these things? Could the child have access to this information easily? Did they overhear any information? Like, how could they have really absorbed this information? So these are just like a couple of points of how he would analyze a child's claims. They really do want to try to legitimize it. And they've been published in the Journal of American Medical Association. that They call it JAMA for short, which is actually kind of badass. I want to be part of the JAMA. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so what does the science really say behind these cases? Once they got all the details, both solved and non-solved, meaning things that could definitely verify with either the family or you know, some kind of documents, you know, maybe, maybe like the autopsy reports, stuff like that. So they got all of their facts on all these cases, and they plotted 200 variables. So variables like age of death, how they died, age of recollection, recollection of the first memories of the past life, et cetera, et cetera. They were trying to see what trends are coming out of all of these 200. So we're obviously not going to go into all of them, but we're going to talk about some of the interesting ones. So how did they die? 70% of these deaths, they died of unnatural causes. So it's like murder, suicide, maybe they died in combat, accidents, etc. This is all the things you want to talk about during Halloween. So this really has to play an important part of who might return because these deaths were all in common. They were all just sudden and they were all violent. Sadly, there were really no natural causes. The other variables was the age of death. A lot of these people died fairly young, which, again, kind of makes sense because they didn't die of natural causes. So one could kind of go hand in hand with the other. A lot of these cases did come from cultures that were more accepting of reincarnation. A lot of people in Asia, which, again, also makes sense, I think, because here we don't like to talk about things like that since those things are not widely accepted. And when we do talk about things like that, then we look crazy.
1: I look crazy all the time, no matter what I talk about.
0: I enjoy looking crazy. Like, it just wards (laughs) off people. (laughs) Since clearly this is not specific to one culture, even though there is more people in Asia that talk about this, Jim Tucker really does focus on the U.S. cases. Some of the other things that he was mentioning was how almost everybody who talks about their prior life Nobody was like a king. Nobody was like a famous person, like Elvis or anything like that. They're all really obscure people. Nobody's famous. There's no way they could have found this information out. And the average interval of the death of a person and the birth of the child that has these memories is about four and a half years. So it's not like, oh, yeah, yeah, I was King Tut or something like that.
1: Before you said that, I was going to say that I was Rasputin in a past life.
0: See, I wouldn't have believed you now. Sorry. (laughs) Just kidding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I didn't believe it myself either.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's that's funny. So he also said that these kids will access these memories during like a car ride, after a bath. Both of these examples are when they're in a very relaxed state. Usually by the age of six or seven, the kids stop talking about their past lives, and then they just kind of move on with their own lives. Instances where kids were able to identify places and people from their prior life is probably one of the more fascinating ones. There was one example that he talked about where it was a little kid and his paternal grandfather had died. The child's name is Sam Taylor. When Sam Taylor's dad was changing his diaper... Sam told his dad, when I was your age, I used to change your diapers. Uh, what? (laughs) So the family didn't believe in reincarnation, so they didn't really understand what that was all about. And the mom, in fact, was the daughter of a Southern Baptist missionary. So like much less is she going to believe in reincarnation? But she did ask a bunch of questions, asked about siblings, and he got everything right. They never interacted. So he doesn't really know how he would get all of this information because this little boy was, was really young. Some of the more interesting facts that this kid gave was that he had a younger sister and she was murdered. The way the kid said it was she was murdered and she was turned into a fish. And they didn't even know that there was a younger sister, by the way. When they did some digging, she was murdered and her body was dumped in a bay. So maybe that's where the fish thing came from. Other interesting facts that he knew was that the grandfather that had died, towards the end of his life, the wife would make milkshakes for him. And the very interesting thing was she didn't use a blender and he knew that she would always make them in a food processor. And sure enough, that's what she did. Now we that weird a little bit? It's starting to get a little, little deep now.
1: Well, first of all, I don't know many babies that would know the difference between a blender and a food processor. Like, that seems very strange.
0: It's going to get crazier, trust me.
1: What flavor was the milkshake?
0: They didn't say. <laughs> That's a great question.
1: I was hoping it was strawberry. I like the strawberry ones.
0: What if it was cow tongue?
1: I like cow tongue, but um, not as a milkshake.
0: That sounds like some uh, Fear Factory. Oh, no, it what? Fear Factory. <laughs> now I'm calling it what you're calling it. Dang it. <laughs>
1: We always have to bring in like Joe Rogan and Fear Factory, like in every episode. No.
0: I know, Joe Rogan didn't do anything for that.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Joe Rogan, we mean no disrespect to you and your ivermectin.
0: I know, if anything, we totally admire all your podcast listener <laughs> audience. <laughs> <laughs> so the next section that I'm going to talk about is specifically from episode six, Surviving Death. There's a little kid, you've got to watch it. He's cute and adorable, curly hair, his name is Atlas. At a year and a half, he started having night terrors. His eyes were open. He was screaming like he was in pain. And he would be up for about an hour at a time, just screaming. One day, when they were coming home during a drive, just like he said, he was about five years old. And he just kind of nonchalantly said, I miss when my mom took me to the playground. And so confused, the mom said, you mean me? You miss when I took you to the playground? And he said, no. My other mom,
1: dun, dun,
0: dun. So she started thinking, oh, well, maybe he's just being imaginative. So she went along with it. And she started asking him other questions and said, well, what was your name in this other family? And he said, my mommy's name was Washington, but my name is Jalen Robinson.
1: Jose. He gave a full freaking name. That's pretty impressive.
0: Yes. At this particular point in time, how are you feeling about this crazy story?
1: I feel like uh, continue. Give me some more details.
0: Okay, yes. He went on to say that when he was a child, someone killed me. Again, also falls in line with what Jim Tucker was talking about. Murdered, right? Some kind of sudden death. So now she was really baffled. Like, okay, this is this is not normal, like, playtime talk. She didn't know where he got the story from. So she actually started Googling since so she got a full name. And sure enough, Jalen Robinson died in 2005. This kid, Atlas, was born in 2014. Jalen Robinson's mom, her last name was Washington. That's already really crazy. She didn't know who to turn to, so she found Jim Tucker when she did some Google searching about other children with past lives. Jim Tucker went to visit the family, and this is all part of the episode. So he does say that he starts from a point of skepticism, and then he works his way from there. And being that children are two or three years old, they really wouldn't be exposed to like obscure people, much less full names like this. Jim took five sets of pictures. One set was two pictures of playgrounds, and then two pictures of these ladies, two pictures of these men, their old home, and some other location. So basically what was going on is he said, oh, you mentioned that you would go to the playground. Do you remember the playground? And he would say, yes. And then he goes, oh, okay. And then he would pull these two, and he would say, which one was it? Do you remember? And he would point to it, like, super excited, very smiley. He did that each time. Do you want to guess how many he got right? All of them. You'll find out after these messages.
1: I like that. Ooh,
0: that's what we're going (laughs) to (laughs) do.
2: In these trying times, when our nation is beginning to recover, look to Palmer Technologies for all your logistical needs. Palmer Tech is no stranger to rebuilding. Our primary goal when the company was founded was to reconstruct Star City after a series of earthquakes left it in ruins. Our team of scientists and engineers from our applied sciences and technology divisions were there every step of the way with innovative solutions to solve the most difficult problems. When it comes to experimental medicine, Palmer Tech is a name you can trust. Specializing in nanotechnology, biostimulant implants, and smart wearables, our founder and CEO, Dr. Raymond Palmer, personally oversees each project. His teams will work with you to tailor a specialized solution for you and your patients. With a Ph.D. in physics from Ivy University, no job is too big or too small. Palmer Technologies, the number one name in science, engineering, technology, and medicine. Contact us now to see how we can work with you. We also offer paper products.
0: Is that not the longest commercial ever? Did that one seem longer than usual?
1: (laughs) It did, because now I'm curious to see how many of the facts he got right.
0: Yes, you are correct. Ding, ding, ding. He got all five of them right. Isn't that a little wild? You should see the delight this kid had when he saw his mom, when he saw a picture of his dad, the picture of his house. It's wild. Like this kid had no hesitation. He was like, boom, that's the one. Like super confident. You you have to watch that episode. It's really wild. So we're gonna dive into two other stories and then we will wrap it up. But these last two are probably one of my favorites. The story of Ryan Hammonds. He has the most verified statements of Dr. Tucker's cases. Ryan would see the Hollywood land sign and would talk about going home, which is weird because he had never been there. When most kids were playing with trucks and normal toys. Ryan would be yelling action and like role-playing like he was directing a movie. So this also starts to get me thinking about how much of our personality is really our own. And maybe it's actually shaped by a prior life.
1: That's a good question. Sometimes I feel like I was a YouTuber in my prior life. Because when I do random things around the house, I like to narrate it. Like if I was doing a how-to video on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So I feel maybe I might have been a YouTuber in my prior life.
0: I might offer up another suggestion, if you will. I also narrate to myself.
1: We were both YouTubers in our prior life.
0: I think I just like to talk. And that's really what it is, which is why we're both podcasters. <laughs> what? See how this makes sense.
1: That does make sense. That's, that's a more logical explanation. Maybe.
0: <laughs> so anyway, the mom of Ryan, her name is Cindy Hammonds. She also found Jim Tucker and wrote him a letter kept a lot of things that the little kid would draw and stuff like that. And they showed where Ryan drew four people in the house because the teacher at the time said, hey, draw everybody that lives in your house. And there was four of them, even though he's the only child. But then he crossed out one of them, and he said he's not allowed to talk about one of them. Weird. This poor kid also would cry at night, also had the same like night terrors. And it was really hard for the mom. She wanted to help him. She Um, When she was talking about it, because he's now much older, even just her recalling it, you could see her getting visibly upset. It was pretty sad. You could tell it was pretty traumatic for her as well. Again, he was four or five years old. He couldn't breathe when he had these night terrors. He would start telling his mom, I think I used to live in a big house with a swimming pool and, and a bunch of kids. And then sometimes when a song would come on, he would just immediately get up and start tap dancing a routine. Which he's never taken a lesson as Ryan anyway. She started doing some digging and she told her husband, I'm pretty sure this is what's going on with Ryan because she showed him a story in Dr. Tucker's book. The dad literally threw the book at her and totally shut down the idea. He's also the son of a preacher. Again, he would naturally reject this, you know, idea outright. So the dad is in law enforcement and he said, look, all I can tell you is write everything down just like I do in my job. This is what's going to help all of us. So she did. She started writing everything down. And I think this is really why his case has the most verified statements. She had also read that if children were to be able to see images of their past, maybe it could help them process emotionally what was going on. And she went to the library and she checked out a couple of books in old Hollywood for Ryan. And he was like thumbing through them. And when he saw a picture of this really unheard of movie, it's called Night After Night. I've never heard of it. It's not. It's a great movie. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan quickly exclaimed, that's George and one of the pictures. And then in the same frame, he said, and that's me. Again, he was an extra. How the heck are they going to find this unnamed extra? They looked everywhere. They had to end up writing to the Academy of Arts and Pictures, and they found that his name was Marty Martin. Tucker had laid out four pictures of four women and kind of did the same type of thing. And he picked with great confidence a woman. And then, you know, when the mom said, oh, who did he pick out? Dr. Tucker said he picked out his last wife. He was also getting all of these things correctly. And the weird thing was, is that he kept talking about a Senator Five, how he was friends with Senator Five. Well, there's obviously not anybody with the name of Senator Five.
1: There is a Johnny Five.
0: Johnny Five is alive. (laughs) I love that movie.
1: (laughs) Those locos kick your ass. Those (laughs) locos kick their face.
0: (laughs) I forgot about that part. It's so cute. You know what? I think my daughter needs to see that movie.
1: That's a great movie. I love it.
0: It is. I do love it. When Marty lived in New York and he was on Broadway and stuff like that, he was actually friends with the senator of New York, who was Senator Ives. Mm. Weird. There was over 200 facts that Ryan gave, which already is a lot. They reached out to the daughter of Marty to see how many they could really verify. Here are some weird noteworthy ones. Ryan said, I used to live on a street that had the word rocks in it. Maybe like Mount or something with rocks. Sure enough, he lived on the street Roxbury. What? Dios mio. (laughs) He described his mom. He talked about her dark hair, how it's curly, all these things that were completely accurate. He said he owned a green car. The daughter was like, oh, that's not true. Then she did some digging. Turned out to be true. He had a younger sister. The daughter didn't know about this one. So after some more digging, also found out that this was true. I mean, this kid knew things that his own daughter didn't know. That's too much for me. He said, I was 61 years old when I died. The death certificate said 59. Close enough, sort of? No, Dr. Tucker still looked into it. He found three census records and a passenger list that gave the ages, turns out, he really was 61 when he died. Dude, WTF. These are definitely WTF moments. That's a lot of freaking facts. Ryan also says that he likes to watch older movies. This is just the kind of stuff he gravitates to. He loves Frank Sinatra, Bing Crosby, those types of things. Like, he doesn't fit in with regular kids.
1: Neither do I.
0: Yeah, I was like, welcome. And by the way, nothing wrong <laughs> with Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby. They're a freaking badass. <laughs> To this day, he doesn't remember much at all anymore, which is kind of sad, but at least he has moved on and that's always good. The last story is a little more famous because it was like all over ABC and like the parents kind of made the whole like rounds. So the child's name is James Leininger and he, unlike Ryan, can actually remember the plane crashing, all the emotions he knows that feeling where he's basically about to die. So he really tries hard not to remember anything of that prior life. But similar story. He had nightmares, crying. He would be kicking his feet and his fists up in the air towards the ceiling. And the mom heard him say, airplane crash on fire, little man can't get out. And the husband heard it too. And so they both kind of looked at each other in silence and puzzled. Like, what, why would he say that? So when they started asking him about it, because it was like repeat nightmares, they said, so who's this little man? And then he said, well, it's me. And then he was like, what's your name as the little man? And he said, James. And remember, that's his name, James Langninger. So they were like, okay, we don't even know where this is coming from. So this little kid at the age of three was drawing plane crash scenes, battle scenes, The mom was starting to get a little weirded out because that's all he would play. And like it was all kind of like dark and like all he would draw. And so jokingly, or not jokingly, she just said, hey, you should probably draw like flowers or something. James drew another fighter jet scene, but below he added a flower patch, (laughs) which is really cute.
1: I thought you were going to say he drew flowers at his gravestone or whatever his his (laughs) grave.
0: (laughs) It's basically the same thing, yeah. So still, not quite sure if that's what she meant, right? (laughs) But he could go to an air museum and point out all the pieces on planes. He knew what they were called. He knew what they did. This kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning. How would this little kid have this knowledge? Even his parents didn't have this knowledge. There's video of him around the age of four. He's going to airplane museums. He's looking and pointing. And it was just insane to see how much he knew about planes. He calmly told his mom how he was shot down and how he used to be a pilot. And that's how he died. As a mom, I don't know what I would do with that information. I'd be a little freaked out, right? Here's where I ask you. What would you do? Let's say your nephew next year confides in you and tells you something like that. What would you tell
1: him? That's a real tough one.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Part of me says like anytime a kid is real passionate about something, they're going to know all the facts. Like you ask any five-year-old about dinosaurs and they'll go on at nauseum about dinosaurs. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they were alive 5,000 years ago when the dinosaurs roamed the earth with humans. No, I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> totally not true. But, <laughs> but I do know people that believe that. But. I used to be into like crazy stuff when I was a little kid and I could tell you like every single detail. At the same time, I do have a cousin that does suffer from mental illness. And I mean, he used to tell us the craziest things Like he would tell us that, uh, Mr. Miyagi used to come and train his dad to do karate. And I don't even think like Mr. Miyagi was dead at that time, but apparently his ghost would come and and train my uncle. And I'm not going to go into more details just because, uh, just in case one of these, you know, my cousin or his brother listens to it. I don't want to give too much information. But I mean, he would go into the craziest details about stuff. And you know, maybe if it wasn't dismissed as just a child's hyperactive imagination, maybe he could have gotten treatment earlier. I don't I don't know. You know, without having seen that Netflix show, it's hard for me to really give an opinion on it. I mean, I can tell you that it's very interesting. And even though I'm a skeptic, I love all paranormal and all super weird stuff like that. I love it. I enjoy hearing about it. I mean, Whether I believe it or not, that's a different story. But it's certainly very interesting.
0: It definitely makes
1: for crazy conversation, for sure.
0: But when this kid's four years old, I mean, he doesn't know how to read. I'm sure you knew a lot about the topic because you could learn about it. I think at the age of like three, four, when they're like telling you all this stuff and they don't know how to read, I think that's a little bit different. That's the difference, I think, for me. Like, once you can learn and Google, all, all bets are off. Like, nah. It's very hard for me to believe that.
1: <laughs> no, it is definitely very interesting. And it would be something I would be interested in watching.
0: No, you. I think you should. I mean, it was like, I don't know if it was an hour, but it was, it was a short one. All the drawings for this kid, James, the nightmares and the play where he would basically crash all his planes into a coffee table and stuff like that. Those things are all signs of a traumatized child. But the weird thing was, was he actually didn't truly experience any trauma. He just had all the symptoms. When he was starting to get older and he could write, he would sign his name, James 3. When his mom would ask him why he added the the number 3, and he would say, because I'm the third one. And so the grandma, James's grandma was actually the first one to say, maybe he's remembering a past life. And she was like, no, no. And even the husband was like, no, not in this house. Like he was very like, no, no, no. The pattern that I caught was like the men just like shut that shit down. But as the dad started talking to the son more, he would say like, so who shot you down? He was trying to get details. And so the son was like the Japanese, like all just very matter of factly And then he would say, well, how do you know it was the Japanese? And then he would say, well, because the big red sun on the flag. And again, this kid was too young to know about flags. They hadn't even gotten into those things to learn about them yet. So it was already kind of weird where he would get that information about flags. James also mentioned that his plane came from a boat. He gave the name. He said Natoma. No one's ever heard of the Natoma in his family. So the dad bought a book called The Battle of Iwo Jima, and he was kind of flipping through it. He was reading it. And one of the times that James was coming over and like looking, there was a map of Iwo Jima. And then he quickly pointed and was like, oh, that's where my plane was shot down. So then now the dad's like, okay, well, this is definitely the place. So then he starts Googling and Googling. He said somewhere down like hit 400. Like he said, he would just spend hours and hours just trying to find more information about the... Natoma, whatever this Natoma was. So he came across a report for the USS Natoma Bay ship, and it had been, in fact, stationed at Iwo Jima. At this point, now the dad's really starting to believe more, and he says, "You know what? I'm just going to keep a timeline of everything that my son says. On the episode, you see this giant, almost like a easel of like just papers, and he's just like scribbling things. And you see one entry? March 7th, 2005, where his son describes how to make napalm bombs, And it shows what to mix, what kind of gel. This is, again, stuff that there's no way any six-year-old would know.
1: Yeah, I was nine when I learned how to make napalm, so he definitely knew before me. <laughs> That's
0: already creepy. <laughs> um, we got to rethink this friendship. <laughs> <laughs> the dad ended up finding out that there was a Natoma Bay reunion. So they went... He learned that there was one pilot that was killed from that squadron. And that pilot's name?
1: James Three,
0: James M. Houston. That would, in fact, make this child the third James. you got the dad, you've got this James guy, pilot, and now the little boy. Dios mio.
1: Very interesting.
0: This leads me to my embedded Spanish lesson.
1: Before you get to that, I want to know what your opinion is, since I already was the Debbie Downer and kind of give you my opinion. What's your opinion on this?
0: I also started with the point of skepticism. I need to be convinced. I don't care how cute that kid is. <laughs> I need to know that they knew things that there is no way he could have overheard. He could have seen in a movie, those types of things the stories that I have read and the pictures that I've seen and like these published papers and stuff like that, it's so compelling. It really makes me want to believe that there is reincarnation. And especially because my grandma just passed away, I think about how maybe her energy really is out there somewhere, whether it's in a different person. I personally don't think so, but I do believe these stories. I think they're freaking fascinating.
1: That they are. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut off your, your Spanish <laughs> lesson, but I wanted to know how you felt about it.
0: Yes. No, no, no. That's okay. The short, impromptu, embedded Spanish lesson was just, Dios mio, because I've been using that a lot right now. And it just basically translates to, my God. And in this case, very useful. So moving on, they located the pilot, James Huston's, or Houston's family, and they contacted the sister. And he knew her name right away And they knew all the things that they used to play when they were kids. This is not prompted by the sister. And the sister believed him right away. She was like, I really do believe that he's my brother reincarnated. It was very no ifs, ands, or buts, this older lady. The pilot, who was also named James, he's not a famous pilot. And he died 50 years prior to this child's birth. The pilot was from Pennsylvania. The child's from Louisiana. All these things, it's too much of a coincidence that he would know all of this stuff. There's no way he would know this. In order to kind of get over and bring closure, the whole family took a vacation to Japan. And they sailed out to as close as they could possibly estimate where, you know, his plane was shot down. And the mom explained, this is time to let James Houston go. And he cried and cried. There's video of him crying and crying. Older James, now that they're interviewing him, he said that he really felt like he released something really, really heavy. So as soon as he came back ashore, he felt lighter. He felt like just like a different, like more happy kid. On that note, what great parents did this little kid have? First of all, my story would have ended right after I said, hey, mom, I think I was a pilot in my previous life. <laughs> I think my mom would have been like, sounds like you got a lot of time on your hands to make all these tonterias up. Go vacuum, you know.
1: I would have definitely gotten a cachetada probably if I came up with that.
0: This is just our loving moms. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't even think they would much less take me to Japan for freaking closure. Are you kidding me? That's really awesome parents. That one was was really fascinating. I I thought it was really cool. And coincidentally, this kid seems to be a really great mechanic. That concludes the last story. Let's hear your your final thoughts after you've heard all these crazy... uh, (laughs) Which which story was the most compelling?
1: Probably the last one just because it had the most amount of facts.
0: Oh, really? Not the one with the most verified facts?
1: Oh, I I thought this last one was the one that had the most verified facts.
0: It was the Hollywood kid. But that guy doesn't remember. I think it's interesting that this guy remembers.
1: I think since this this was the last one that I heard.
0: It stands out more. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was a little bit of a, a longer one, but congratulations, lovelies. You've done it again. You've learned something brand new and creepy. Um, so hopefully you get to share some new information with others. You know, this is going to make a cool water cooler talk. And uh, I know it's going to make you look a little nutty, but who doesn't want to look nutty during Halloween?
1: I look nutty just normal. <laughs>
0: So thank you for joining us on another conversation and hope that you join us again next week. You know where to find us. Please reach out. Follow us on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram at greetings TAC. Or you can email us at greetings T-A-C, at gmail.com. Or leave us a voicemail. We want to hear your cool voices at 915-317-6669.
2: You have a creepy story to share with us.
1: (laughs) My name is Rasputin. I died by drowning. I don't want to go back to Russia.